Panamanian. If the tires are that badly worn and you are the tires are that bald, you can't ride five months on bald tires. You're, you're taking your life in your hands, you're taking your family's life in your hands, and you're endangering the people around you. The car doctor. It only takes a second for an accident to happen. In the blink of an eye, you're not where you're supposed to be. So, you know, don't fool around with tires, please. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, where is my super suit? Here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. More information about this radio show at cardoctorshow.com. Um, before I get started, Tom, where was that clip from? Boy, why don't I recognize that? I got a feeling you're going to tell me that was Family Guy. Nope. The Incredibles. Well, I never saw that. You never saw The Incredibles? I almost never heard of The Incredibles. That's a Disney movie. You've got you, you to gotta watch The Incredibles. Are there car chases in it? There's all kinds of chases in it. Well, if, uh, is it a cartoon or is it real? It's cartoon. Pixar. Oh, that's... Pixar. Yeah, Pixar yeah. Disney. Okay. I've never seen it. Yeah, you got you got to see it because, uh, you know, we, we thought you were sa- you're saving the world there. Therefore, you were going to look for your super suit. My super suit. Oh, I get it now. What I just I I gotta get out more. I gotta get out from under the hood of a car. You you do. It's it's a story of uh, it's a story where society has taken these super people and decided they're anomalies and they don't want to deal with them. So they're all hiding and they're not doing anything. And all of a sudden the world oh, needs, needs to that. be saved. Yeah, I've yeah, heard of that. Great movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of that. Okay, now I know what you're talking about. You know, it's like when you live, eat, and breathe cars. You know, so last night after after um after what five days of fixing cars. What do, you, what do you do on Friday night? You drive over to Jimmy's house, and I helped Jimmy put the engine back in the Shelby Mustang, which was kind of cool. That was uh, that was sort of a fun deal to, to be able to work on an original '66 GT Shelby. Um, you know, to look at you know simple nuts and bolt technology and the way it was a million years ago. My gosh! But uh, yeah, I got to get out more. I got to do more. Um, but I run out of things to do. I run out of energy because of all the things I do during the week. Ergo, to that point, 2007 Pontiac Torrent came into the shop which is sort of like a pontiac matrix thing it's um it's it's kind of like up in that classification of a small suv and it had a problem with the left front brake locking on took it for a ride tried to duplicate it gave it a couple of road tests couldn't get it to act up in any way shape or form so you know it's it's you could see that the uh, left front brake rotor was clearly overheated. the The edges of the rust were that burnt orange sort of a look that you get when something has been running super hot for a period of time. So you say to yourself, "Well, it's either the caliper or the brake hose, which are the most common things." Because after that, you're into the two thousand dollar ABS controller, and you know if we're going to guess, let's guess cheap, right? So, you know, let's do a front brake overhaul. Let's do pads and rotors. It was coming due for brakes anyway. The rotors were beat up. Let's do pads, rotors, calipers, and we might as well do brake hoses. We can still get them. We can still get them GM from General Motors. We can still get OE hoses for it, and quality of parts is always a concern. So we did all that. Danny gets done with it, and the car is ready to leave, and, you know, he was bleeding the brakes, and I'm, I'm in the office writing somebody up, and he comes in, and he says, you got to come out here. And I went, oh, no. And I go out, and he says, uh, could you turn that left front wheel? And I'm thinking, 
yeah, this can't be any mystery here. And um, the left front wheel's locked on. Can't get it to turn. And I said, well, wait a minute. Isn't this what the car came in for? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what am I missing? He said, I'm not sure myself. He said, um, here's the old caliper. And he showed me the old caliper that came off the left front. And and, and actually, the old caliper was bad. You could see the, the dust boot on the inner piston seal had, had cracked open some time ago, and it was all packed with dirt and corrosion and crud. And you could definitely say, all right, that caliper was definitely sticking on. So, you know, how do we end up with a... We've got the same condition with all new parts. So the calipers, you know, the brake is stuck on. The wheel won't turn. It's locked up. I opened the bleeder. Some fluid dribbled out, and caliper still wouldn't turn. I took the brake hose off just to eliminate my curiosity. Brake wouldn't turn. The caliper was physically locked on. You know, you talk about all other businesses. Only in auto repair, I think, could you be in the scenario where you do everything right, by the best parts you can get, all General Motors, AC, Delco stuff, right? And you end up with the same symptom that you were trying to duplicate before that you couldn't duplicate, and now it's done, and you get to go and do that caliper all over again. Only an auto repair. And it happens, and it's real world. And it's when you're down in the trenches and you say to yourself, why me, God? You know, you just you just get to that point in the game. But that's a true story from the shop this week. We, you know, I, I went home Thursday night scratching my head thinking, like, you know, why? Like, how can that be? How does it line up? And I, I, I've got to believe it's proof of the afterlife because somebody on the other side is going, watch how we screw with them now. And we're going to line up all the marbles to make this part go bad. And we've all been there, right? You've all you've all had that happen in your life where you keep thinking, like, who's reaching over your shoulder to make things happen that you just – and it's not just auto repair, but I just thought it would be a little bit of a humorous way to kind of kick things open this hour as um, we welcome you, and uh, thanks for stopping by. By the way, Tony, you were supposed to remind me about something this week. Do you remember? It was three Ds. Yeah, the three Ds. What, what are the three rules of diagnosis? Yes. Diagnose. Diagnose. And Diag diagnose. Diagnose. Because we wanted to comment on, I mean, we don't have enough time before the break, but we wanted to comment on, we had a call last week, and the conversation was, he was having a problem with his car, and he could buy a mass airflow sensor for 50 bucks at Rock Auto, and he would, he, would, he would throw that at it, and that didn't fix it. It was Tom. I remember it was Tom from Rockland County. And I don't, you know, listen, I get it. That's the way... But it doesn't the, – the problem, and I wanted to address it because I didn't have time last week to address it. The problem is putting on a new part, ergo a brake caliper that, that's locked on, putting on a new part, and that's what made me just remember it, putting on a new part doesn't mean it's going to work. New means never, ever worked. All right, that's what it stands for. All right, somewhere when we get to the other side, we'll understand how the universe operates. New means never, ever worked. So, you know, does it does it qualify? Does it does it make sense then if you think it's this and you haven't done any diagnosis, what sort of chances are you taking throwing a part at it? That one's not so bad. The phone calls I love to get from all of you and I love each and every one of you. You're all great listeners and I I appreciate what you're going through trying to fix the car is and maybe it'll happen today i haven't had it happen in a while but it'll be well i i put a i put a fuel pump in it i put a fuel pump relay in it i did a fuel filter i did a fuel injection unit i did x y and z and i've got about twelve hundred dollars in parts in the car and it still doesn't accelerate properly 
And my question is, did anybody diagnose it? And the answer I always get is, no, I don't want to spend any money on diagnosis. You know, throwing parts is not a diagnosis. Throwing parts is throwing parts. Throwing parts makes the diagnosis harder if you don't fix the car and you don't learn anything. So please, just think about it. Just, you know, the next time you're tempted to throw a part at a car, play the game of, and maybe it's because we think, we always think things are too complicated. Isolate that component. If it's a wired component, it's going to have power, it's going to have ground, it's going to have signal. If it's a module, it's going to have power and ground. If it's, if it's a, a, an actual component, how does it work? What makes that part tick? Take that thing apart on the bench, in your head, however you do it, and test it to the best of your ability. Yes, there are times you have to replace things, but there's a lot of steps that you have to go through before we start shotgunning things because throwing new at a, throwing new at a car doesn't mean we're going to end up happy. You're going to end up, you might be end up having to talk to me, and that's... Um, that's just uh, that's just part of the diagnosis. So, eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the name of the car doctor, 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Let's kick the garage doors open. Let's go over and talk to Jeff in Minnesota, 97 Chevy Silverado. Jeff, welcome back, sir. What's going on? Hey, Ron. Good to hear from you. Thank you, sir. What's cooking? Uh, I heard the ordeal that you had this week uh, at your shop, and I believe I got off real easy. Uh, yeah, let me tell you. It's, and that's not, that's not the half of what we had at the shop this week. We had a, um, well, you tell you what, you tell me your story, then I'll tell you mine. Um, what can I do for you today? Well, I had this. Uh, I had previously talked to you about this thing, and I had um, <clears throat> you had mentioned that '97 was the first year for the two-stage um, pressure S- steering. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you told me that uh, you ran into that once and ended up changing the steering sector and the whole works. And I contacted a local salvage yard. I'm surprised at how uh, prevalent this problem is, but how little people know about it. And um, I first went to a GM dealer to try to buy the the pressure sensor or pressure switch that goes on the back of the steering reservoir, and you you can't get that now. Yeah, it's obsolete. So I, yep. Yeah, so I had already changed the speed sensor at the base of the steering column. That didn't do any good. So I went to the salvage yard, and um, the guy had 31 of these pumps that uh, 97 to 99 that fit my truck, and he didn't even know that this was an issue. But um, for 48 bucks, I got it shipped to my door and it cured the problem. Bing, bang, boom. Yeah, and you put on it. You put on a non. You put on a non-pump or a different switch. Nope, I, I put the same thing on that I had already, um, just a different one. So apparently, my switch must have gone bad. Yep. Yeah, and that's. And, and you know, this is now. Think of it like this. All right, here's such a simple. You know, it's just steering related. Yeah, and the truck is undrivable as a result. Well, you could drive it, but you had to be pretty darn light on the, you know, kind of like white knuckles on the wheel. You right, know? right. And what's going to happen? And eh, maybe it won't be a '97, but what's going to happen ten years from now when some vehicle on the road today needs a vital electronic component to run and operate, and for the forty-eight dollar part that you won't be able to get, <clears throat> time to buy a new car. 
Yeah, that's that's getting frustrating. With uh, uh, I had a friend, uh, his uh, daughter-in-law bought a Ford Focus, I think it was, and this fellow has a, an engine shop where he does uh, rebuilding, head work, uh, and the whole works. And they told him when when she bought the car, he says, "Well, if anything goes wrong with this thing, take the license plates off of it and the battery out of it because you can't buy any engine parts for it." Right. Yeah, and that's I did a. Um I did an intake manifold yesterday on a 2003 Mustang GT V8 4.6, and you know the intake was leaking up front. The, the the coolant had created some rot, and it rotted through the plastic down where the thermostat housing meets the top of the head. So we were going to do an intake because the the, in, the the intake itself was was so brittle. One of the heater hoses where it clamps on when I pulled the hose off disassembling it to do the gasket the the actual nipple just came right off with it i mean it was just so the plastic was just so brittle and and used up but the, the the short the short version of the long story is the rear coolant port at the back of the driver's side cylinder head you could see how the coolant had gotten acidic and etched into the aluminum and it actually it actually rotted away probably it took an eighth of an inch off the corner and you know the only way you could really fix that legitimate is you you'd, you'd have to TIG weld and then resurface it back smooth again. Gee whiz! And, and you know what do you do? I, I uh, wish you could talk with this friend of mine that has this engine shop because it, it's so interesting to me. I, I hang around down there quite a bit, and and what you were talking about with the brake caliper and the car coming back and stuff. He just goes off sometimes. He says, I don't want to work on cars anymore. He likes doing the machine work, uh, building the engines, but the actual working on the vehicles, it's frustrating him to the, to pieces. So, And and like you said with the parts, um, we, had a, we had a friend with an 02 three-quarter ton Chevy truck turning around in one of our buddy's driveways, and he heard a snap, and the lower ball joint at the widest part of the stud broke right clean off. And how old was the ball joint? Um, I'm not sure if it had been replaced or if it was the original, but, I mean, he didn't hit anything. He was just turning around, and it broke. And I think part of the problem is that we're just expected to replace cars. Yeah. That, that, it's, that it's, it's, it's so easy. Uh, you know, it's not so George Orwellian, and maybe I'm dating myself by using that title, but <laughs> I, I really see the day where you'll be driving down the road, do 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 do. The car stops. Gee, I I can't get it started. You're going to just pull the plates off it. Uber is going to come along, pick you up, and somebody's going to come along and pick up your car and scrap it, and just you're going to go buy another one. Yeah. I, I just saw a vehicle yesterday, an 04 Jeep Cherokee at the scrapyard. I was I haul out my iron pile from all the repairs I've done during the winter. And uh, as I was driving in there, here's this Jeep Cherokee that doesn't look like it's got anything wrong with it. It's sitting on the ground with no wheels on it. And I inquired about it, and they said, well, the engine's bad. And I said, well, but it looks nice. And uh, apparently, um, once they get to that point, there aren't too many engines around for those because they go a long ways, and the guy said it isn't worth fixing. You know, it's 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 funny how often we get rid of things, and um, I, I think it's a reflection. You know, I, I think about the Second World War. Can you imagine, you know, 1941, 42, they stopped making cars, and you basically 
you may do with what you had to do. There's a, there's a picture in one of the books I have on the Second World War talking about the home front, and the husband is backing the car out of the garage to go to work in the morning, and him he's outside pushing, and his wife is pushing the car. They have to push it because reverse broke. It was a manual transmission, reverse broke, and no parts were available. Oh, boy. So we went from a nation of, we'll push it to get it to work, so we can get to work, to, in my opinion, the gas tank's empty, it needs brakes, the ashtray's full, let's just go buy a new car. Yeah, throwaway society. Yeah, and it's going to come back to bite us. I don't know if it'll come back in this generation, but it'll come back, it'll come back at some point. So, we but need listen. To be more. We should be more like Cuba. I saw footage on TV yesterday. They're still driving fifty-six Fords. Well, the thing I always think about is, if we didn't get rid of cars so often, where would our economy be? Because what is our economy based on? And I realize this yes. isn't, you know, it's this isn't car show stuff, but in a way it is. I said to someone the other day, we were talking about it, and I said, "Do you realize how big the automobile industry is in this country?" And I, I believe we are the number two or number three segment of the economy. Wow. You, you take auto repair out of the equation, oh, my God. Um, you know, it's it's matter of fact, I was talking to a carpenter, a builder. We were talking about it. And I think it's I think I think housing and real estate is, you know, number one, then it's cars and then home renovations, that kind of thing gets into the number three and somewhere kids in college and all the industry that that's become is so it was somewhere in the top five all these things are mixed up but start thinking about we don't have auto repair shops anymore think about all the little businesses that are affected boy that's for sure all right we don't need that we don't need the corner store making sandwiches for, for lunch we don't need the uniform company we don't need any sort of insurance companies workman's comp garage keepers health insurance for the employees. We don't need the work shoes anymore. We don't need the snap-on truck, the Mac tool truck. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty staggering what auto repair represents. So, But anyway, Jeff, I appreciate the call. I'm glad your truck is fixed, and thanks for being part of the Car Doctor family. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Don't go away. That's right. If you call and we're not live, you can leave a message and we'll call you back to get you on the air with Ron. 855-560-9900. Speaking of Ron, here he is. Welcome back. Ron and the name of the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. If you need me during the week, by the way, Ron at CarDoctorShow.com. Gloria, you're still there. I'm still here and I have a 2000 Toyota Solero, four-cylinder, 150 6,000 miles. Just broken and in. And I can't... What? Just broken in. <laughs> just broken in. I thought you said... I just heard just broken. No. Well, no. you know what? When I pump gas, it clicks off all the time. I like spend days trying to get $15 worth of gas in my car. I get frustrated and I just leave the gas station. You know, so I. it's been diagnosed maybe it could be spiders. This was uh, from the dealer. And I, I walked away with $200 bill, but no uh, answer. Okay. So other people say it could be a crimped wire, but I cannot hold the nozzle. I have to hold it very loosely. Right. Let gas go in and then pull it out a lot. So. Okay, let me, let me ask you a question, and, and this, is no, this is not meant to be an insult. Do you remember the days when you'd open a soda can with a can opener and you had to open up both sides? 
right? You'd have to you'd have to open up one side to pour the soda and open up the other side. If you don't didn't open up the other side, the soda didn't pour out of the can, right? Oh, I don't recall that, but that's okay. I, I remember that. Jeez, I remember that. That was like feels, well, I think feels, I'm older than you. Feels like yesterday. Yeah, you don't remember that. You know, well, I heard I, se- I heard senior that. citizen before, so I assumed. I apologize, um, yeah. but yeah, the idea about equal pressure. So, gas tanks and gas cans are, are really the same way. When when you're putting fuel in the tank, you know you're 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 building pressure in a closed container, so they have to have a way to vent that. They have to have a way to let the pressure out of the tank. To put it somewhere so that you can displace the fumes with fuel, right? Makes sense. Yes. So yes. The, you know, there's a couple of things involved here. There's a vent line, which is a vent. It's it's imagine the dryer in your house if it didn't have a vent hose on it, where would the hot air go? It would build up enough pressure and enough heat, and eventually it'd be a problem. So they put a vent hose on the gas tank to take the fumes and allow them to be pushed into a charcoal canister. For storage. Uh, that's been brought up, yes. Okay. Yes. So one of the things we would do to diagnose this is, is find the vent line, which is either going to be on top of the tank, it might have access there, um, around the tank area, or at the top of the filler neck, and just disconnect it. Go to the gas station. Try and put gas mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. If, if you can put gas in it, the problem is in the vent hose down, either in the canister, the vent hose, the vent... All right, but at least it's on that side of the system. If you still can't put fuel in it, then there's probably a problem with the filler neck itself. The filler necks on a lot of cars, and yours is no exception, are they're 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 two piece. There's an inner and an outer sleeve on a lot of the cars today. And what'll happen is the inner sleeve has a clamp where it goes to the neck. And that clamp comes loose and the inner hose falls off. You can still put fuel in the tank, but this this inner sleeve being displaced now creates pressure and it causes the pump to click off on a repeated basis. Click, 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 click. Uh, you know, and it won't allow you to put fuel in the tank. But it's just a simple process. It's not that difficult to really resolve. You know, they've just gotta they've just gotta understand it. It all comes back to the basics of you know, pressure in, pressure out. It's got to go somewhere. So where's it getting stuck that it's kicking off the hose like that? Okay, and, and would that require that it be put up on a lift, or could they do it while it's... No, they need, they... To, put it, they need to put it up on a lift. Oh, they, I see. They would need to put it up on a lift, and they, they need some time okay. with it. Obviously, you know, I would make an appointment with a mechanic, take it to him with a quarter tank of fuel for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's going to have to put some fuel in it during the process. And number two, if... If for some reason there's a problem internally in the tank, and that could come up, if he's got to take the tank out, obviously easier with less fuel in it than more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. all right. And if okay. if, if, yeah. if if the mechanic wants to reference this conversation, if you want to give him, you know, you can tell him that you were on the car doctor on Saturday, whatever. What's today? Today's seventeenth. Yeah. On Saturday, a, yeah. On Saturday, two seventeen. Uh, this will be up on our website under podcasts. You know, when the live broadcast goes to podcast. And um, you were an hour one down around the bottom of the hour, and they could actually listen to it and take it. And, uh, you know, we never th- in all the years I'm on radio, I never thought of doing that. And lately people are telling me, hey, I took my segment, I played it for my mechanic, and he knew what to do. So, um, yeah. you know, if, if, if that helps, I'm glad to do it. All right? Oh, all right. And I'm going to leave you with a question, and I'm going to get off the line. Okay. Do you feel that women are taken advantage of more? than men yes. as when they walk yes. into a mechanic. Absolutely. Okay, there's the answer. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, and, and, but I'll tell and you I this. Think we need we need classes now. Absolutely. Now, I'll, I'll, but I'll tell you this, Gloria. Now, wait. I'll tell you this. Um, one of the one of the things I found in my twenty seven years on radio and my forty three years of fixing cars. Don't tell the guys this. It's easier talking to it's easier talking to women, mm-hmm. and 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 I don't know why women women seem to listen better. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure if that's maybe I'm. Maybe I'm looking at it wrong. You know, I raised three daughters, and I'm still married after 30-something years. Um, so I've, I've learned to, you know, listen to women and hear what they've got to say, and it, it's, it's a better connection. I get, again, it's the relationship thing. But, yeah, I think women are yeah. intimidated. I think, I think women have a harder time in the, in the doctor's office, and I think they have a harder time in the police station for sure. I think, uh-huh. um, I think they, they kind of get pushed around a little bit. So you've got to, you know, you've got you to worry about them. You've got to take care of them. So, okay, we right. have to start a Me Too mechanic movement. Yep. Okay. So, a Me Too right, mechanic thank you. movement. Thank you. Let's let somebody I like else that. <laughs> thank you, Gloria. You have a good Bye, afternoon. honey. Bye, Rod. Bye-bye. So, how sweet, right? Can we do that? Can we have a Me Too mechanic movement? Uh, my mechanic my, my mechanic didn't fix my car right? Boy, you talk about sexual harassment. That list would probably go further out down the line. Um, I wonder which is more. So let's pull over and take a pause real quick. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy and the car doctor coming right back. Don't go away. And the car goes. And the car goes. Gonna travel near and far. Going riding in a car. Ron, it's time to get back to do the show. I don't want to. The song's not over yet. Ron and Indian, right now. Okay. Here I come in my. Boy, was that appropriate. Let's, uh, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here. Let's get over and talk to Steve and me. No two Buick won't start, no crank. Steve, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Yes, Ron, I got to tell you, you're a, you're a rock star up here in Maine. Well, I appreciate I that. Wish, I wish we could duplicate you. Uh, yeah, everybody I, keeps, everybody keeps saying that. I wish we could yeah. um, I wish we could duplicate me and I could get to sleep part of the time. So, Well, but, maybe, uh, but maybe. if I was in your neighborhood, I'd walk less. So, well. <laughs> <laughs> O2 Buick. Yes, sir. O2 Buick. Um, I got a couple of issues, but uh, the first that came up was that uh, it's got 150,000 miles on on it, uh, 3.8 auto. Um, it, it, it would start, no problem, and then all of a sudden it started not starting. Lights on the dash would go out, and then I'd leave it alone, come back hour, a day later fire right up okay no, no real rhyme or reason um somebody had told me that it was a neutral safety switch in the transmission and um i i wasn't sure what, you know i wasn't sure okay so i left it with one garage for a week all they did is go out and try and start it which is what i could do and they said every time i tried to start it it was fine it started left it another week at another garage local in the same thing. And I said, well, you know, can you guys diagnose this? Called up for some auto parts. Um, Somebody had told me that it may be the ignition switch Mm -hmm. or um, the the electronic, Um, either the key and the tumbler or the electronic. Okay. I, I got prices for that. And then they said, well, hold on. It may be that they're not, um, the computer's not reading the chip in your key. Okay. So I decided that I'd call you and talk to you first before I bothered taking it somewhere else again. Did you ever break a leg? 
Uh, nope. An my brother finger. has. I mean, you ever, you ever go to the doctor and you've got a complaint or a symptom and it's not necessarily something you think they're going to check your heart rate and blood pressure, but they do anyway? Right. Yeah. You know, it's like, let's just get an idea. How's Steve? You know, let's see what we find, right? Right. So here's a case where you, you bring this O2 Buick and in none of the conversation you had did I hear you say, now maybe they did, more power to them if they did, did anybody scan anything for codes here? No. Okay. Because if they had, if they had chosen to take your heart rate and blood pressure on a, on a, on a symptom that doesn't indicate the need for it, they likely would find a P1631. A P1631 shows an issue with the theft module whether it be that the theft module is not communicating properly with the engine computer or whether the key, somebody was close, somebody was getting in the neighborhood of what I think is wrong with this car, where it was, you know, not communicating properly with the key because this has a chip key in it, all right? Yeah. But at least it would give them an indication. 16 okay, points. I did have a friend. I'm sorry, I didn't cut you off. No, go ahead, I, go ahead. I, I, did have, I, did, I did have a friend uh, or a neighbor that had a son that came over with a little $20 diagnostic Walmart tool and plugged that, it in. That and won't do it. Didn't show anything. Yeah, that won't do it. A P1631 is going to be in the body module, or it's, 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 not, it's going to be outside the realm of generic OBD2. Okay. How many languages do you speak, Steve? Just. Well, barely this one. Okay. Well, so you speak you you speak you speak English, right? Yes. All cars made since 1996 speak two languages. Yeah. They speak English and they speak Swahili. Yeah. All right. Swahili is the equivalent of OBD2. So, so the the conversation now is there are certain things that. Don't translate from English into Swahili and from Swahili into English. They're close, but not necessarily right on the mark, if you follow what I'm saying. Right. So, you know, here's a case where this car would get a full module scan. And this is an old car, right? This is 15 years old, 16 years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you, it's, know. you know, I mean, it's an awesome shape. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I I'm just saying. But that's the approach of diagnosis. So right. I, I'd be curious if there's a 1631 here. If there's a 1631, that's telling me there's a problem in the anti-theft. And if that's the case, then we can talk about, you know, we don't necessarily have to start changing lock cylinders and keys and tumblers. We can go down at the base of the steering column, find the signal line that goes up to the anti-theft module as it feeds the PCM. We can measure the resistance of the key, go to, well, what used to be Radio Shack. Now it would have to be somewhere else and uh, get a resistor that matches the key and just put it across those two wires, and you'll be able to start the car no problem because it'll always see that resistance value. So there's, okay, so there's, bypassing it then, basically. Yeah, there's ways to bypass it, and there's a bunch of YouTube videos out there that talk about bypassing, and I don't think anybody's going to steal an O2 Buick with 150,000 miles on it. So No, no. But, I know. mean, it'd be a nice ride for, I don't know. Yeah, hey, listen. 2,000 miles anyway. It could be a nice ride for you for the next five years, too. They last a long time. But let's or just, let, let's you know just, what I mean? Yeah, let's just get, let's just get you through this. Um, and if if this doesn't work, just remember the rear window defroster works really well, and that's important up in Maine if you're pushing the car through a lot of snow. So yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, but um, let's do this. Let's get it to a repair shop. Ask somebody to scan all the modules. Mention P1631 to them. If they don't understand it, tell them to go to their information system and look up a P1631 and what it means. This could be anything from a bad key to just needing a 30-minute relearn, which you talk about time as an element is making the car so it'll crank again, which makes me think this is anti-theft related somehow. And then we can get into a deeper diagnosis next week. You call me again, and I'll give you a little bit more information. We'll get you further down the road. But get somebody to diagnose it a little deeper and look for a P1631 somewhere inside that vehicle. And, Steve, as always, I appreciate your call. 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie, the car doctor, coming back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Annie, the car doctor. Let's real quick get over to George in West Hartford, Connecticut. George, I got just under two minutes. Go. Thank you for taking my call. It's um, 2002 Civic, 270,000 miles. It had a misfire code. Um, also, had two compression tests that there's low compression in um, cylinder four. Okay. Now, um, two, me- two mechanics have told me that um, there's a burnt valve in cylinder four. Okay. My question is to you, would uh, you want to repair this head and replace the, the valve? Or would you want to look at a junkyard for a lower mileage head to put on this uh, engine? Is there a third choice? Um, well, and here's why that, I say that's that. I'm calling you an asking. Yeah, here's and here's why I say that, George. I wouldn't just want to do the valves, and I don't think I'd want to use a junkyard head. I use a junkyard head if this one was cracked or damaged beyond use. And I had to take it out and send it out to a machine shop and get repaired. But whatever you do here has to go to a machine shop to get, you know, the head has to be checked for square and cracks and, you know, get a proper valve job done, stem seals and so on. Here's the danger, all right? You've got 270,000 miles on it and you are now going to rebuild the top half of the engine. And, you know, everything's going to be tighter up top, as they say. So if there's any wear indicated in the bottom end, if there are any ring issues, now we stand the chance of pushing a little oil and maybe burning a little bit of oil and so on. Was there oil consumption prior to this failure? Yes. There was. So now the question becomes, where, where, where was the oil? Was the oil from the head? Was the oil from the rings? At 270,000 miles, maybe the answer is, if the car warrants it, maybe it warrants a replacement engine. And, and, and looking at it from that perspective, there's no simple way to Band-Aid something like this because of the mileage. And you can try this and try that, and it's, it's a gamble at best. So you can just try doing valves. I understand dollars are going to be tight. Fine. You might win. You can stand doing just, you know, a junkyard head. You might win. But you might lose, too. you got to decide what's the car worth. And, again, if you put an engine in it, what if something else major fails? Would that just dash all your hopes and dreams? Those are the things you got to think about. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. They're priceless. 